I think we should just gloss over the Golden Globes. I think Becky's right. Okay. I did not see the whole thing. I didn't even get Coco right. So, <laughs> so like, like Coco won, right? I, yeah, but because I heard it from like outside a bar, I heard it wrong, and in I was like, Mexico. I, I like wait, open the wrong envelope. You saw Coco win the Golden Globes in Mexico and couldn't decipher that it won. No, no of course. <laughs> I'm in Mexico. Coco's up for the Golden Globe. They win, and I scream text to the whole family. I effing hate the Golden Globes because Coco didn't win. Because I don't know who those two guys on the screen were, and I thought I heard some other movie's name. And then Allie, like, uh, 10 minutes later, texts, yeah, Twitter says Coco did win. And I'm like, oh, my God, I opened the wrong envelope. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you guys are amazing. Coco's amazing. No one in Mexico cared that the Golden Globe won the Golden Globe, though. Well, you weren't in, like, Mexico, Mexico. You this were is in, true. Like, maybe in Mexico. Maybe in Ciudad de Mexico. Everybody <laughs> yeah. was joyously jumping around. I don't know. Well, it was in Puerto Vallarta when the results were. I was a bit further further north, but yes. Um, anyways, the point is that. I feel like that story is enough to recap the, the Golden, Cor- okay. the Cor- the Golden Globes. The Golden have been oh. recapped, and it will just go in our ad. Like I'm like mom, Let's be like, clear. Oh, if one of us is going to be mom, turning into mom, if there is a yearbook in our family. Most likely to be mom goes to bed. Because my phone consistently, when I wrote Mexico to Becky or like Instagram to picture, it switched it to Mexico with a J, Mexico. Yeah, when I arrived yesterday for my trip, Becky goes to me, you know, in in Mexico, it's just an X. They just spell it with an X. They call it Mexico. And I was like, yeah, but it must be, there must be some reason that my phone did that. And I turned to and I was like, in Spain, how is it spelled? He's like, with a J, because it's Mexico. It's not Mexico. In, no, in, in Mexico, yeah. the X is the, the J. Sound. Right, it's like a J. And so it was at least legitimate, but Becky was nonstop just saying Mexico. <laughs> Like mom would say Esteban, <laughs> no Esteves, Esteves, or Karate. Yes. Emilio though, Esteves, Carlos Esteves, also known as Charlie Sheen, mom. Right, and he goes Carlos Esteves. Wait, and mom always goes Karate, but that's not a Spanish word. <laughs> it's Japanese. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna start us off. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, good material. Hey, uh, kick uh, us uh, off. Yeah, after you finish yawning. <clears throat> we just ate. Sorry. All right, here we are for another episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast. Our first episode since all being together in one place, but at least two of the siblings are together. You guys are in California. Lily, how are you? How's mm-hmm. the return to California? It was, it's great. It's so fun to be back with Beck and uh, baby and, and you know, glad and be here. And we had a great vacation week. Was How was Mexico? Mexico was, <laughs> was a lot of fun. 
like he's making fun of me that I called it that. Um, it was a lot of fun. I highly recommend um, going to the Sayulita area. It was a week of just, yeah, lots of fun and hiking and boat trips. And it was great. Oh, hiking on vacation. It was fun. Yeah. Some, you know, yeah. yeah some, some people like the outdoors. What did you do next? Read books? No, I stuck to a Vanity Fair, which I read an awesome article. I, maybe I can find it online and send it to you about like the history of Rolling Stone and its connection to John Lennon. It was very cool. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I stick to magazines. Zach, how have, how have you been in California? How is uh, week three, four of motherhood? Three. Uh, three. Tomorrow Tomorrow will be three weeks. Um, you know, some days I'm m- more tired. Some days I'm, you know, horribly fatigued. It's, it's It stays within that range of extremely tired to extremely fatigued. But I'm good. I, I actually saw a few nights ago... This movie, Midnight Special, it's a couple years old. I want to say, I think it's 2016. It's by the same director that did Mud and Take Shelter. Mud is uh, one of Shai's favorite movies. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Shai, actually, I saw Midnight Special because it's on your iTunes account. <laughs> it's you rented it, though. That's, no, did I it was, buy it? No, I someone bought it. Oh, we'll it. Okay. If you yeah. like Mud and... and um... I mean, I'm thinking about it and he fell asleep during Mud three times. Oh, okay. Three times. Well, you, I started really... Mud... Eight times before I finally finished the Steph movie. Steph Nichols. It's a, right. it's a great movie. Whereas doesn't doesn't I, mean it's a bad movie. Sometimes movies no, are really very relaxed. Like, and I really like his films. And we started watching it. It's this, you know, very, um, like, dark, slow-moving sci-fi film, basically. Um, and the I don't want to ruin the movie, but the reveal at the end um, was, like, very kind of strange and bizarre, but also beautiful. And I was like really interested in it so I looked up um so I kind of like looked up the movie and I found an interview with the director and he said what inspired the 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 film and the ending of the film was his experience as a like first time father and that you know he'd be watching over his tiny newborn son and even though he was kind of like obsessively looking over his newborn son and make sure he was okay and breathing and perfect, everything was all right. You know, his son had no idea that any of this was happening. So it's like the son's living in this one little world. And then on top of that world is like, are the parents overlooking the kid. And there's, it's just like a really beautiful connection between this film and why this you know why Jeff Nichols made this film, and kind of like my experience over over the last three weeks. So yeah, I enjoyed the movie, and then it had that extra little special, um, you know, um, connection to it. So cool. all right, Becky, with the free upfront recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we have big news when it comes to Becky. You are now officially on Twitter. I am. Well, you yeah. You I are. might I, tell I people what, what you're. Twitter. Tell people who you are. I am. Just double check. I'm just going to double. I'm just going to quickly double check because I haven't quite looked at the app since we set it up last week. It's just, it's loading. I am, you can follow me at Paper BK Princess, Paper Beck Princess, if you're going to look me up, but it's at Paper BK Princess. Um, and the best part of my Twitter account is the, um, is my profile picture, which Shy drew for me, which 100% captures my spirit. And that is who I am. So, um, 
you should check it out. But I haven't actually tweeted yet as of the recording of this podcast. I, I feel a little bit um, intimidated. Like, I'm not sure what to tweet or who to tweet at. Well, the good news is you have a built-in audience of at least two who will write back to you. Me, who will write back to you right away. Lily, who will write back to you in three weeks when I remind her to check her Twitter again. But then, like, I thought, like, one of the things with Twitter is that everything has to be very instant. And a lot of the times I'll, like, watch something on YouTube, like, two or three days after it happens. And then I want to reply. But then I'm like, I want to, like, I want to tweet about it. But then I'm like, oh, that happened, like, three days ago. As far as I understand... Twitter is moving at such a fast cycle that it almost like comes out the other end. And if you catch something a few days later and you talk about it, you're just fine because there are other people who are doing the same thing. I mean, if you were commenting on a big news event and you were like, oh, my God, the Berlin Wolf, the Berlin Wall file, that would that would seem silly. But if you just caught on to a particular. No, it was like Tuesday and I wanted to write about like I finally like watched Oprah's golden globe speech and i was like oprah for president i love her i was like oh i should tweet something about that and i was like oh that happened two days ago but also i find when there's something that everybody's tweeting about it's less i don't know for some reason i'm like Ugh, somebody else will do it that's that's like un- takes away my motivation everybody <laughs> okay. has a different everybody has a different um uh, approach i think back that's just fine when something comes to your mind just put it out maybe ask vlad first before you say it but uh, just to double check the filter, since you are probably still heavily medicated, um, but in, but in general, go for it. All right, stay tuned right. for Becky's first tweet. It's coming. Um, well, I miss you guys. It's good to be back here. Um, uh, we had a really uh, special visit um, from another family from the Vogan family. They stayed with us this weekend. We had a super time. We played a Star Wars version of the game Risk. Um, uh, Nate and I um, played a, a Star Wars version. Now, he is a master board game player, like one of these folks who reads all the instructions, knows, the, you know, learns the rules of the game, figures out how to set things up. Make yeah, sure yeah you like Dunshire. Yeah, well, this game was like, might as well have been the Cones of Dunshire. <laughs> well, I, I wish I could have had Lily there to try and understand the instructions. Oh, no. So wait, it's... It's not like regular Risk, which I thought was already a bonus, because that's a pretty boring game. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not regular Risk. This Sounds game up. has certain Risk elements, like there are cards and dice and little things you move around, but you essentially are fighting three battles simultaneously. On Hashtag one, don't care. On one part of the board, you get to be Luke Skywalker fighting the Emperor. On another part of the board, you're attacking the Death Star with your ships. And then another one, you're trying to blow up the shield generator, and you can't do one unless you've done the others, so there's like a sequence. Um, and the odds are really bad for the Rebels, so we played this game twice, and I got destroyed in the last minute, so it could have been Which a very different ending. beat both of you. Was, was oh, no. he the Nate was guy? the Empire, and I was the... the oh, Rebels. so in this, someone has to be the Empire. Yeah, yeah, he was the Empire, I was the Rebels. We we played it twice, so that because there's different strategies. It's, it's very neat. There's different strategies for different Um, sides of the game so it's not like you know you're playing one specific piece uh one the same thing every single time um uh it was actually one of the coolest games i ever played but super super um complicated at least for for my little brain in any event that was a lot of fun um and then also we've been getting some really nice text messages and emails from folks who have 
written to say they're listening, which I, I think is really cool. And some of them are folks who spent a lot of time with their family over the years or or um, have fun memories. And so I want to just give some shout outs to people. Um, Andy Shankman wrote to me. It was really great oh, to really? hear that he was listening. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, I was in touch with Miri, uh, the, you know, one of the inspirations, not the namesake, but the inspiration for your daughter's name, Nala. And she said, to she's going to take Miri, a not, my, not my three week old child, Miri. Uh, no, she not her. They don't text anymore. Uh, she's shy. Stop texting me. What'd you say? The baby? My baby. Yeah. yeah she's okay. like, no, we need a break. She's busy. She's busy. Um, the yeah. baby's busy. Um, and then this amazing podcast, that I, you guys have to listen to, um, people have to listen to, the Bonsai Retro Club, which focuses on 70s, 80s, and 90s movies, television, pop culture, music. Um, Dave... Ooh, I just literally had to tweet, sorry to interrupt you, because I asked a, the, a question to Bonsai Retro, and the response was, didn't you read my earlier tweet? And I literally had to write back being like, I don't understand how Twitter works. <laughs> I can't find all the tweets. I'll, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll help you find the tweets. Anyways, Dave at Bonsai Retro Club um, was a very kind. Also, is uh, in some ways I think like our 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 soulmate in terms of topics that he's interested in. Um, but he took a listen to the podcast, which was cool. Um, and uh, Josh Usheroff continues to listen. And then finally, I think one of the most fun ones is that Lucy from London uh, is listening. And she has a very important um, place in our family history because mm-hmm. she recommended the moil that came she all the way She hooked from... me up with my son's moil. Let's just say that. Like, she got me a moil. And that's a seriously good moil and British, so it sounds extra official. Totally. And she's so sweet. Um, so anyways, lots of uh shout outs to all the people that are that are that are listening these days oh and josh cruz sent me like a full page email of ideas and comments both arguments and so i can't wait to have him on um uh to to talk those out um all right after now that we've um chat a little bit about that we have made some promises to the listeners over the over the course of this podcast and one of them was that we were going to keep them posted on the development of the Overboard remake, which Becky has stayed on top of. She yeah, has. I, have. I did not, like, I need to, like, get some sort of trailer notification on my Well, phone. I think it's also that I spend a lot of time sitting around my house not doing anything and watching a ton of TV and trailers. Yeah, still, it's pretty so good. So it's, it's really allowed me to, this birth of, birth of my child has allowed me to stay up to date on my television watching um okay yeah so the the trailer we've all seen it um i really i I recommend i recommend if our listeners have not seen i recommend this if our listeners have not yet seen the trailer watch the new trailer for overboard the remake of the 1980s movie with kurt russell and goldie hahn where their love blossomed originally um they're still together and then watch the, the original. So watch the uh, new one and then watch the original and put them side by side. And um, I don't know where to begin. Like, I, I'm, i like, upset. I think I'm more upset than when Shai watched Star Wars because <laughs> I have so many questions just from the trailer. I have written them down. One is, is I can't figure out how racist this is. 
Or if it's not racist because the Mexican is rich. And so it's like, I, I can't figure out. So I wrote, so it's about a rich Mexican having to do the work that Me- Mexicans stereotypically do in the United States. So he gets, right. So there's a rich Mexican and she tricks him into being a housemaid. No, her, no, her, her husband. husband. She sends him out to do manual labor. He has to do manual labor. He has labor. to go have three jobs that, that all require manual labor. So, like, working on a construction crew. and Which is, like, what stereotypically like, Mexicans, quote, unquote, have to do in, right, the United yeah. States. And that is, and he's being, like, ordered around by a white woman. I, I don't know. I can't figure out what's, if this is okay or not. Is it, like, post-racial? Have right. Have like exactly. on that? That's or my is question. it just, like, kind of and then And then here's the thing. The other two questions are, where's the mini golf, and are they supposed to fall in love? Also, they just seem like a really weird and that's, match. And that's what I wrote. I like was like, her where? wrestling, Goldie like, Hawn. Oh, oh my god! Like, oh my god! It's like, please. Like, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want that to happen? Like, this need like, a fan. Kind of, like, I, that like, is, I know yeah. this. I kind of look at it like, eh. first of all, maybe he's famous in he, another he, part he's of the world. Much older than her. He's, he's much, much older. Much I don't older. find him very attractive. Maybe he's a phenomenal actor, but there's no indication that they could fall in love in that trailer. No. Do you know so anything the, about the actor? I don't. I don't know anything about the actor. You know who would have been good to play the Mexican? Oh, this is a fun game. You know who would have been good? Lido from Sense Eight. That would see. That, that would have been, been amazing. Oh, I would totally that kidnap him. That would have been him to be my fake husband for sure because he's fun and, and he's good looking and he can also be very like rude and she she. But yeah. then yeah, that would have been a great that choice. Been great. So <laughs> I did not get into all of the um, how would I say this like meta also, social commentary I, that could I, be I happening. But I just have to say that. It also, if there's no mini golf and if they don't fall in love, then why is this a remake? This just looked like she's no, forcing this guy to come I think they're going to fall house. in love. I, think I don't part know. It's really upsetting. Sorry, Shay. So, no, I just want to say I did not catch on to any of these social, cultural things that you all are discussing. Um, all I was, I was really stuck on, and this is totally superficial, but I... I I didn't know who the actor was. Again, maybe Lily, as our in charge of research, can figure out. It's fifty-five. Well, Lily did. Lily just came back from Mexico, where he is. I believe is a very big. I think he's a very big star in Mexico. I think he's like a big, like comedic actor. There, Kenny Lopez. Regardless, look, I've got to me, Anna Faris is a national treasure who is like in some ways the heiress to Goldie Hawn style. But But she's severely underrated. And yeah. she's perfectly cast. We're not arguing about no, her no. casting. We love her. We think she's great casting, a so wonderful... He, he, he just intent. strikes me as, from a trailer perspective, cosmetic perspective, goofy looking. However, and so for me, it's like, I'm like, what's Anna Faris doing with this goofy looking guy? Like, that doesn't make sense. Other movies I've seen her in... Well, no, he's 55. No offense. But like, I don't want to be ageist. But give me a break. But that kind of messes with the plot. Well, in, in any event... I, I noticed, though, as the trailer went on, as he was doing more, particularly as he was having those incredulous moments of, I work, and he was tired and laying on the on the couch and stuff, that that guy has some charisma. And so he must. I, out, out of loyalty to Anna Faris, out of interest and, frankly, you know, desire to know where 
like to further examine this topic that we've been talking about, I very much want to see this and I'm willing to give it a chance. Why it was made, why it was remade, I don't know. We're also talking about a Gary Marshall movie, which was remade by two directors. Now, if you tell me that a movie like a Lord of the Rings, like needs an extra director (laughs) or like an episode of Game of Thrones, I get it. Why does an overboard remake need two directors on set? That worries me. So well, I'm like, were they working together or did they fire one and bring another one on? That's what it looks like because they don't even they wouldn't, have pictures. They on barely have pro. Uh, one of them did Wedding Crashers. Well, like, what, like Wedding was Crashers a, as the director, it, a writer on a writer. it. I wouldn't say that he. I mean, we don't know. The other one is a producer and writer. So mm-hmm. neither one of them seems to have directed. As usual, we have the factual um, uh, checking abilities of people at their dinner table. <laughs> Yeah, and by the way, a lot of this is inaccurate. People should research for themselves, and you know we're no. Yeah, Rob like, Greenberg is an actor you'd recognize. The guy, the other director of this movie, he's anyway. Um, the the point whole, is that the whole, listen, I'm gonna see this because it's a remake of Overboard, not because this by itself looks like a decent movie. And I'm I'm annoyed because I feel like this could be such a cool remake because it's a great story, especially if they flip the sexes. So that's awesome. Would but, it have been better if Ryan Johnson directed it? That question. <laughs> it would have been way more animal. Would he on the so original? I, I, again, I'm going to go in the camp of being interested in this. Um, aside from the fact that the original trailer had um, Tequila, that song, playing in the background, which I think really just got, you know, I enjoyed watching the trailer. Um, uh, I think it's interesting that they both work in this in this one. And overboard, she stays at home, right? She doesn't like start a business or go to work, right? Right. Well, she well, she does the mini golf with them. Well, she eventually works with him to create the mini golf, but um, and she has like all these awesome ideas and stuff. Yeah, she works with him to create the mini golf, but the whole thing is that she stays at home as a stay-at-home mom for the three kids. Who, by the way, again, that trailer reminded me how hilarious those kids are, and I want to rewatch Overboard. I want to rewatch Overboard. Exactly. Uh, I actually remember the last time I saw it. So we'll rewatch Overboard. We'll watch the new one. We'll report back. Um, yeah. Speaking of other ongoing things, uh, Allie and I finished Mindhunter last night. Okay, what did you guys think of the ending? Loved so it. My feeling with Mindhunter, like when I look at their... So it... I sort of followed a flow where I was really intrigued. Wow, this isn't what I expected. Oh, wow, this is getting really good. Okay, I, why am I still spending all this time on his relationship? Where exactly is this going? Are they just trying to prove the point that he's getting too close to the mindset of the killers? And then I felt like at the end, it really just kind of ended with sort of like a petering out thud. Um I wasn't, really interesting. Mm, I felt the opposite. I, I wasn't because here's the thing: the strength of Mindhunter for me is the dialogues with the um, with the violent criminals and the process of developing the um, the the whole concept of serial killers and profiling. I'm less interested in the dramatization of these characters, however true it might be. I don't know if it's true, um, but. Again, this may have happened where, uh, again, spoilers galore, but when he is lured to the hospital bed of the um, of Ed Kemper of the big of the first mm-hmm. killer that he spoke to, 
I knew nothing was going to happen to him. Like this show wasn't going to end with Ed Kemper no, killing him in yeah. a hospital. Right. Um, I don't. I don't think you, you're supposed to think that's going to happen. And it's he gives him the big hug. But at that point, I felt like. At that point, I'm like, what am I being left with at the end of this season? Um, uh, and I, I just, I felt like in eight episodes, I could have gotten the best parts of this season without some of the extra fluff. Particularly, his relationship was just—I got the point, but it was not interesting at a certain. At a certain. Oh, level. his girlfriend. I yeah. can't say. No one can stand her. Um, we all think that was the weakest part of the show, mm-hmm. and she's super annoying. Good, but good. what I did, what I did appreciate, what I did like, is that how when we've all become very frustrated with this woman and with this relationship, and when it ends, he's so cold about it he's like fine i'll pick up my things later this week like there's no emotion he's become you sort of seen him evolve over the course of the season and he has become very kind of like dark and twisted and and i i i sort of felt like at the end when he has that like breakdown exactly you're really seeing the stakes you're seeing the the toll that it has taken on him and exactly i thought psychologically you know right the psychological toll i mean you know and like, so I yeah, yeah I felt like I was watching a show where they really kind of pulled apart a character in a meaningful way and uh, yeah I was gonna say yeah. like that's like true character development to me was how exactly when he breaks up with her his reaction and we're all just like oh get this girl out of the show and he's so like cool and calculated and like I'm just gonna pick up my stuff but clearly he's falling apart and he doesn't even realize and the entire season leads up to that moment where he has a full-on panic attack with the intimacy he's developed with Ed Kemper, him thinking that it's totally professional and normal and fine. But, like, I feel like that's so relatable. How many times do you go in and over your head but have justified the whole thing to yourself mm-hmm. until you fall, you, you fall apart? But, but do, you feel like, do you feel like at any point... See, I didn't feel at any point as the audience... I didn't see him becoming anything but more crazy. In fact, from the beginning, I was like, wow, this guy's borderline serial killer himself. So when yeah. we got to that point in the show where he kind of flips out, I'm, I'll be interested to know if he learns his lesson um, or if he just keeps going down the path. Um, the, again, the, the psychological toll on him was less interesting to me on what they were actually learning about serial killers, and I think I wasn't really sure what they learned in the end. And I loved also the, the the part where it was more relevant to me was I loved the intellectual debate between him and Anna Torb's character mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the cop on what is the right ethical way to handle the situation and what makes it a valuable study and what makes it a credible study. That I was much more interested than him, like his dysfunction that it caused his relationship. Mm-hmm. Um. All very good points. Um, only because I can hear, I can like hear my baby crying. Um, let's let's uh, move. We have a lot of topics to cover. All right. So, All right. so next, speaking of your baby, we brought your baby not inside, <laughs> but to a to major first life event for me when we were in California that I think deserves some reflection, and that was my first visit to an In and Out Burger. Pretty Becky drove. With her baby, left the baby in the parking lot. It's only like a week after I had this baby, right? Yeah, yeah. Left the baby in the parking lot, not unattended. Left him with your husband in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. 
and we went inside and I'll just walk through what, what I ordered. Um, uh, I ordered, uh, I wanted to have, I, I, this is, you know, my one chance to go and I wanted to make sure that I had like a, a real taste test of the different options. So I ordered one plain cheeseburger just with grilled onions on it with nothing else on it so that I could really taste the burger and the cheese. Cause in general, when I go to a fancy burger place, I err on the side of, I want the meat and the cheese and the bun to speak for themselves. Okay. But the grilled onions, I couldn't say no to. They seemed like they were okay. part of the package. And then I ordered a cheeseburger with, uh, animal style, which, and grill, which included grilled onions and I think pickles and a special sauce and, uh, a lot of lettuce, it seemed, and some tomatoes. The In-N-Out Burger, uh, just to go from top to bottom, how about I describe it? There is a, almost like, it's almost like a, it's almost like a pillow in your mouth of a bun at the top. Literally, then, my mouth is watering thinking about it. Then you Very have, then you have the toppings for the grilled onion that? ones. You could, you know, those grilled onions just sit in there beautifully, laying across the cheese. Now, the cheese, I would say, is simple American cheese, but holy moly, it's like the exact right American cheese to complement that bun and then the burger. I will say the burger, the burger in some ways is ancillary to the overall package. That was my experience, was that the burger on its own, this isn't some sort of Angus beef fancy smancy burger. It is a burger that needs to be eaten with the bun and the cheese and all of those things together. Um, and it's kind of, it's on the small side. It's crispy on the outside. Um, and then you get to the other end of the, the bun, which I don't know if it's buttered or not, but the, the side that touches the burger is crispy. And the outside of the burger is just, again, fluffy, almost like buttery in a way. So that was the, the first burger. And that was, I alternated between the two throughout. And that was delicious and was my original instinct of what I wanted to order but the animal style which I was uh recommended which was recommended to me by many people including um Nate and Ariel who I texted with for a consult right before I made the order um the animal style won the day for me big time I like you know it's the signature thing but when you added into the mix the way they do the toppings, particularly the way the grilled onions interact with the sauce, it is a whole other level of enjoyment of a complete package of deliciousness. Um, and Becky described eating there as eating a, a cartoon hamburger, um, which I think, by the way, from now on, that's going to be my highest compliment to food. If it's a cartoon blank, as how you imagine a cartoon blank, is is the highest form of compliment you can give to a food. And yes, it is a, it's like eating a cartoon, what you'd imagine like wimpy eating, a cartoon hamburger. Um, and you eat it with the little paper around the edges and it is freaking delicious. Um, added shout out to the strawberry milkshake, which was just the perfect mix of sweet and um, creamy. So thumbs up on in and out and it was really fun stuffing the whole family into a booth together. Yes. Very fun. Your girls were adorable. We had a lot of fun. And it was uh, my first my first uh, post-baby post, post baby outing. It was very exciting. It was worth the trip. Lil, you were there, but you don't eat meat. Any thoughts? Um, no. Literally none. 
I wish they had some kind of like you could have had like a grilled cheese technically, I guess, like a burger no meat. Ugh, I think I I'm not that interested in burgers, but being there, I wish that I was. Like I wish I had that desire. Like everybody was like, "Oh, just take a bite." I'm like, "I don't want to." I wish I did so I could like want to try it. Because it was sad to miss it, but I literally have no interest. So I was just like, eh, if they had a chicken option, I would have tried it. But then that wouldn't be the same because the whole point is having that burger. Maybe one day I'll try it. And I'm glad you guys loved it. It's awesome. It was special. Uh, and Beck, thank you uh, for taking me. It was a really fun experience to do together. together. Um, all right. This is the Friday Night Movie Podcast. And while we can't all see movies in the theater tonight uh, together we are going to try to watch them more regularly and give little reviews um i'm definitely going to ask you guys buy rent or meh for the single movie when we're when you're done giving me your review and this week we watched the uh it was it was released on i think itunes either this week or the week before um battle of the sexes starring emma stone and steve carell and with a number of awesome cameos um, about the story of Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs' famous tennis match. Um, would either of you like to go first? Yes. I, um, I'm going to make it short. I think that the, 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 tennis, to... the battle of the sexes was really just an afterthought to this story about this really incredible athlete, you know, Billie Jean King and her story and what she struggled with. And my my problem with the movie is that the trailer made it seem like this is a movie about some big matchup between, you know, this this male tennis star and the female tennis star. But yeah, that's really like that was like that's not what the movie's actually about. It's really about her and then this like dummy who challenges her to a tennis match and he's like old and out of practice and a gambling addict and has all this other shtick and I just sort of felt like the only reason why I didn't enjoy watching the movie is because I didn't know I I felt like it was a bait and switch it was like a classic trailer bait and switch where they were like whoever is promoting this film thinks people aren't going to want to see you know this historical film about this really important athlete and her life story and what she went through. So we're going to, like, make it about... Right, because it's just a, a woman. Lesbian. She's a woman, and she's a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, and it's also this lesbian story, so people aren't going to be so much into that. Instead, so we should make it about this, like, battle of the sexes, which was arguably a very famous tennis match. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't famous, but it wasn't really what the movie was about. And so I'm watching it going, I don't get it. I thought, where's, where's the tennis? Where's the tennis match? Why do we keep... I didn't... I just... Uh, that was my problem. It, I thought it was not marketed appropriately, and I felt frustrated watching it um, because I thought the trailer was great and seemed like a lot of fun, but that's not what the movie was. And the movie was fabulous, but I was not in that headspace to watch it. I thought I was seeing something different. So that's, that's where I landed in it. And I I wish, for me, it goes in, in the meh category, category because I wish I could re-watch it having never seen a trailer for it. And if I had never seen a trailer for it and someone said, oh, this is a film about a famous tennis player, I'd been like, okay. And I would have loved the movie. But now I walked away from it going, meh. Hmm. Fair. Will, what do you think? Max J? Because I made notes. I have a few things to say. Oh, I have. I have a lot of notes. Oh, guys, guys. Then we'll go fast. Don't worry. My notes are not full sentences. Are they as long as your burger notes? Because your burger was four minutes. 
that wasn't notes. That was me speaking from my heart about an experience I had with my right. younger sister. Let's read Put your it this way. It was shorter than I had to wait for Becky to arrive at In-N-Out. Oh, right. No Just one's allowed to, to eat until Becky gets to in C-sectioned body into a car. We actually, and drive didn't 10 because miles. you really did not need to go to that place. But sure. <laughs> okay, go, Shay. Oh, you want me to go? Yeah. All right. Okay. So I'll just say I put it in the uh, rent category. Well, I mean, we I bought it, but and rented it because Lily messed up the iTunes process. Um, uh, I put it in the rent. I was really pleased we watched it at home. I don't think I had seen the trailer. Um, at least I don't remember it. I love Emma Stone. I thought she was terrific in it. I thought Steve Carell was actually terrific. They clearly made the decision to make Bobby Riggs sympathetic. I'm not sure how much the movie works without making him sympathetic. And they really focused on Bill Pullman's character as the bad guy. Um, I read some critiques of the movie that suggested that that was giving Bobby Riggs too much of a pass. Um, I thought one of the cool things about the movie is that this is a movie where there were cameos by actors I love, like one after another, and I'll rattle them off for a moment, in a moment. But I thought this was one where they blended into the movie really well. They were Most of them were in it for a very short amount of time, and I really enjoyed seeing them. So here we go. We've got Sarah Silverman, who actually was super, was great throughout the whole movie, was an awesome sidekick to to Emma Stone's character, to the Billie Jean King character, and I, it makes me want to see her act more. But then Elizabeth Shue, John C. McGinley, as I mentioned, Bill Pullen, and then Alan Cumming appears, and then Chris Parnell, and then Fred Armisen. I'm like, whoa! I just kept yelling them out as these names come on. I love all these folks, and I love the way they all took these tiny little parts, and, and that was really fun to see. Um, there were a couple lines that really... Um, stuck out to me that I thought was great and and one is where Billie Jean King is standing up to Jack Kramer about leaving the the tennis association and he says you can't compete in grand slams if if you leave a tennis association and she says what are your grand slams without the greatest women players in the world I think that is an extraordinarily poignant relevant and important message um uh, uh whether you're talking about everything from equal pay in Hollywood or you know, women having a place on the bima uh, in synagogue. Um, uh, I think that's a really great um, uh, message, and and to me that was very powerful. Um, uh, I there's this there's a moment where I thought of Lily not because of what was happening on screen, but they played Crimson and Clover for a really long amount, long amount I, of time. I mentioned it to Jose during the movie, and I remember the first time I heard that song was on a CD mix that Lily made me. And the weird face part at the end, I repeatedly would go back thinking that there was something wrong with the CDU and burned me, like that it had melted. And then <laughs> they played the phased part in the movie, and I was like, oh, wow, I guess that really was just a phased part. Huh. Um, uh, I think, oh. I think, uh, oh, also when uh, the Sugar Daddy sponsor, which was a candy from a long time ago, I remember... Uh, I hadn't seen one of those. I don't even know if they still make them. But my best memory of eating one of those that the movie brought me back to was going to see Transformers, the movie, in the theater in Philadelphia with the Gilbert family. And I had this awesome sugar daddy, and I was eating it, and I dropped it, and it fell on the floor, and I never finished it, and I haven't had a sugar daddy since, and it's always bummed me out. Um, Sorry, I stepped out of the room for a minute to check on my baby, and 
one, you're still talking, and two, how are we on Transformers? Because he's talking about the candy sugar daddy that sponsors Bobby I Riggs. Think, I think Becky criticizing me talking is just her trying to paddle back from Valerian. Like, this is, this is, um, uh, could, could be, but um, this is, I feel like this is your, like, you're shining in this episode, man. You have a lot. I was very drunk. I just mean, like, this is like Shy's F. You got a lot to say. We, I was very drugged when we recorded that. I don't think it was a fair circumstance. Um, fair enough. Uh, Lloyd Bridges and Ricardo Montalban, the actual video footage of them being jerks was amazing that they worked Uh, that in. Uh, I loved, um, Natalie Morales as Rosie Casals. I was, I I was... Reed, I, she should be in more. Yeah, she's girl. awesome. She's awesome, and I and I love that she kept coming back in the movie. I couldn't tell if Howard Cosell had been photoshopped into the movie, or if that was really, or if they had an actor. But that was unsettling. That when she was commentating, and then last but not least, I have a question for Becky on the technical aspects of the movie. Um, They're not really playing tennis. <laughs> Just. At the end, when they, like, why did they They're film not... it to make it look like you were watching a tennis match on 70s, on, on the 70s, on television? They want you to feel like you were there. I mean, you can let Becky answer. I mean, answer, I don't, I mean that's, that's like a director's choice, right? That's part of the style of the film. Oh, well. There's then, no other than that person wanted it. Then the director wanted they, I think they way. wanted you to feel like you maybe, were there. Or maybe it was easier to... To um to hide to, the, to hide the fact that yeah. it wasn't them playing, if they had the footage look kind of like grainy, grainy and yeah. you know not so sharp, whereas if you had I it, it was like stylistic. Yeah, could be. But and anyways, I, I, for me, yeah. solid renter, not a buy because it's not a movie I want to watch again. It was pretty long, but solid rent. Will. Okay, I'll be quick. I think Becky's right. It was marketed wrong. It's too bad. It's clearly not about tennis. Um, she's so impressive. I mean, Emma Stone is impressive, but Billie Jean, I did not, and I love tennis, but I did not know this much about Billie Jean King in the sense that I, I knew she was an incredibly important figure, especially in, you know, the women's movement, but I had no idea she put so much on the line. And it's really impressive how, like, just ballsy she was about, um, ironically using that term, I guess, but how she, um, yeah, just really like the amount of stress she must have been under coupled with her personal stress at that moment in time is quite impressive for an athlete. And I think it's interesting the way they put and they put it out there in the film that she worked so well under pressure and, you know, it's just incredible how athletes can, you know, perform at that level on under that much pressure and then her and her personal life too. Um, I was confused by the Bobby character. I think the review you read is correct, right? What's he's sympathetic, but the stuff he was saying and what drove her to do the match was horrible. And so it's like a bit of, they kind of overshadow that because, you know, they need him, I guess, to be sympathetic, but I don't see why he couldn't have been the bad guy. Why you needed Bill Pullman being the bad guy. I don't know. I did love watching Steve Carell though. He's awesome. So I didn't really mind. Uh, Sarah Silverman was awesome. I thought the girl that played um, the the girlfriend character in the movie, I thought she was great. I thought everybody was cast really well. The funny thing is that in my notes I have, I guess Alan, I love Alan Cummings, but maybe him as the fairy godmother is overdone. Is it though? Is it great? Ugh, I can't figure it out. I mean, he has I mean, 
You mean like the same as his good wife character, just a slight like different variation of the volume, but it's a similar type of Alan comes well, in Alan Cummings no. comes in, says outlandish things. Well, no, I think he does no, I don't think it has anything to do with the good wife. I think it's that he was basically like a fairy godmother. He appeared, made her feel better, uh, orchestrated things to protect her, and then was like her yeah, gay fairy godmother in the movie. It was just bizarre. Made her like cool outfits. I don't I don't know what I liked it, but it took me out of the movie. Also, all those cameos took me out. I can't watch Fred. I can't say his last name. Armistead. Armistead. I can't watch him as a doctor. Well, I think that was the point. He wasn't a very respectable doctor. He was feeding him like weird diet pills and like. No, but then I feel like I'm. No, I mean like exactly. I feel like I'm watching like an episode of something. So I was just sort of like that. It's a very serious movie we're watching. It's not really a comedy. And I was just like, why? That's good. So funny that he's the doctor. I, <laughs> I, I, well, was like, I think it was good casting because that doctor is supposed to be a quack. And if Fred Armisen sure. was your doctor. Alan Cumming is amazing casting. And, and I mean, love Sarah Silverman. It's all great casting. I just thought it wasn't balanced. There was just something about it that was weird. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I liked it. I wouldn't buy it, but I would definitely rent it. And would you rent it and then buy it on my iTunes so we spend twenty five dollars on it? Because I don't know. Sorry, I really feel like I owe you five bucks. I'm gonna I'll Venmo you five dollars. I don't have Venmo, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I'll figure something out about the money. I'm sorry about that. The point is that no, well, the um, money doesn't bother me. I think it's just funny that I got multiple messages in the same day that iTunes I kept thinking, purchasing this movie. I was like, doing a million movie. things at once. I would say that like. Cosa said, we watched the, tra- I showed him the trailer and I was like, this is a movie we're going to see this week. So I just showed him the trailer and then we watched the movie and he's like, but I thought this was a comedy. <laughs> was like, oh yeah, I guess I could see why you thought that. So I recommend for people not to watch the trailer, but if they like tennis and they like seeing good acting, watch it. Cool. It's a good movie. I think everyone's seen the trailer at this yeah. point. Maybe. Will, do you have your, um, so something, unfortunately we had technical difficulties in a previous episode. Oh, I don't know. I feel like I did that on the spot. All right. Okay. Well, let's just say on a previous episode, Lily read the reviews of A Christmas Story Live, um, uh, um, of which many were negative. We're not. I could try, and if it sucks, you can cut it out. No, we're not going to revisit it. We're not going to revisit it. I think at this point, you're right. The moment passed. But we can reserve me reading like live, like or reading tweets or reading people's reactions to things in a future moment because that was pretty funny. Yeah, and I'll say that next time they do one of these ridiculous live remakes of a musical version of a show, that that's the moment when it should happen for sure. This is true. Um, okay, as we wrap up, um, let's talk recommendations. What people are watching? Beck, what are you? What are you? Are you still watching just Beastmaster uh, all day? No, I am now watching all day every day. Okay, so I just actually that's it's a great question, Chai, because okay, I'm gonna back up. I have been at home right now, you know, for three weeks with the newborn and you watch a lot of TV. And I started to get a few days ago kind of really upset that every time I open up Netflix or, you know, look on Amazon Prime, I felt like everything that that was showing up to watch are these like kind of like dark or really gory shows that don't have a purpose other than like right. murder yeah. and gore so for, maybe you also for, don't want to see like awful gimmick stuff yeah and like awful depressing stuff and i just like i'm not emotionally i'm not there i don't find it funny at all and and i just i, I tried watching like a bunch of different shows and i just 
really, really unhappy. And then it was as if Netflix read my my heart and it knew what was happening. And I turn on the, I open up the app on my phone a couple days ago, and there it is. Jerry Seinfeld's riding in cars or getting coffee, comedians getting coffee in cars. Whatever, the cars and the comedians, and they drink coffee. And I watched, like, 16 episodes in a row, like, over the course of two days. And then I finished it. I was really sad. I started rewatching it, and Vlad just told me that there are three other seasons available on Netflix. You never heard of the show? No, I heard of the show, but I've seen, like, an episode here, an episode there. I haven't, like, sat down and watched it. I am now fully binge-watching it. The episodes are, like... 10 to 15 minutes long each. They're delightful. Yeah, it's such a good length. It's the amount of time I want to spend watching something. It's on YouTube. It's almost as if if people listening wish this podcast was 15 minutes long. Yeah, I know. Oh, and the other thing I started watching over the last couple of days, I don't know how many of them I'll end up watching, but I I, will see, is um, on YouTube... There's this series called, it's like actors on actors, and it's like random actors interviewing each other or like having conversations together. So I've been watching a bunch of episodes of that. And again, it's something I just find kind of like delightful, short, you know, long enough to watch while I nurse. Um, I recommend. Can I just, are we not, we're not doing Golden Globes? I thought you said that, well, you can sum up the Golden Globes. I thought we weren't going to, but sure. No, 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 I didn't. I didn't know. No, I'm just curious. Golden okay. Globes, Lil. What do you have to say about the Golden Globes? I, I didn't watch them. <laughs> and, I, and I got, I would like to watch them. I, I watched the Emmys. And then afterwards, I was a little bit like, oh, I could have seen all the speeches on YouTube and saved like four hours That's of my life. Um, quickly, I don't really have recommendations because I can't fully recommend the movie American Made. I can't tell <laughs> if I liked it. I was on vacation, so I, I don't really know. Plus, it was I just like, I don't, I I don't want to spoil the ending, but plus, it was like, I only liked it because of the ending. Wait. And I was like, it's a true story. So I don't know if that makes sense that you Do just. Do I have said- to watch it so we can actually break it down, or should we just pick another movie breakdown? No, I'll pick another movie. No. That. So I guess we're not recommending you know, yeah. it. Right, so that's your review. All right. Um, There's an article in the New Yorker about it that I feel oh, like. Oh, yeah. Up. All right. You lost I mean, me at what sounds like is a very long, serious article. Okay, the other, but I do have to say, I stumbled upon a documentary that's being made. When this comes out on February 16th, this movie, the three of us absolutely have to watch it. I, this is one of the few times that when you, you know, when something's being made, you're like, I should be involved in this. I'd make this better. Like this podcast. Like this podcast, but it's called Poop Talk. Poop Talk is, have you heard about this? No. Oh my God, it's called Poop Talk. Listen, Poop Talk is an open and honest look at a taboo topic in today's society, and I guess forever society. The docu-comedy gives an inside look at all things poop, from uncensored, embarrassing moments to scientific explanations recounted by 50 experts and comedians, including Kamal Nanjiani. He's not Italian. (laughs) Okay, I'll say that again. Try so you can edit that out. From unsaid embarrassing moments to scientific explanations recounted by 50 experts and comedians, including Kumal Nanjiani, Nicole Byer, Adam Carolla, Rob Cardry, Nikki Glaser, Pete Holmes, Eric Stone Street, Randy and Jason Sklar, Nick Swardson, Dr. Drew Pinsky, and many others. I need to That's see this. This was like the cast of those VH1 Best Week Evers. Talking about poop. Shy, we could review this movie and then you could put in my story that I told a few weeks ago. <laughs> 
Maybe. How do you order anti-diarrhea medication in Spain? Spain. At a farm. All right. Well, um, uh, in the meantime... On that note... Yeah, on that note, I'll just say um, I continue to watch Avatar The Last Airbender now into season three. It is one of the best... Um, stories, universe-building things I've ever seen. Once you get past that halfway point of the first season, it is just absolutely terrific. I love the characters. The same way, you know, I don't know, I love the Harry Potter characters, or, you know, that's how I feel about these characters, if not more. It's fantastic. Lily, you're never going to watch it. Becky, you and Vlad should absolutely watch it. Um, you never know. I might have Oh, it's it. called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Everybody knew that, though. But I'm just saying it's on Netflix and it's enjoyable. Yeah. Um, you've probably seen an episode, but watch all of them. They're great. Um, Miss Maisel, uh, Mrs. Maisel, we started watching. Watch that. So good. I have to watch it, but Amazon, if you're listening, Amazon, you won't let me watch with a VPN anymore. Um, <laughs> well, anyways, I, you know, I, so I, Beck, we should do a whole Miss Maisel episode because, A, performance is terrific. I understand why the show is terrific, but I have a lot of questions and things I want to unpack that I think you could help me understand that will make me like it even more. But there is no doubt that the performances are, like, off the charts amazing. And, and it's like, is... the Yiddish kite is real. It's like, what do you I'm mean? Not, I'm just saying, like, the way that they use Yiddish and Jewishisms and things like that is very real. Yeah, that's the like part where the I guess so, but sometimes yeah. it's like sometimes it's a little too much of a caricature. But the the biggest plus for me is uh, Borstein, Alex Borstein, who I think is hilarious. She was in yeah. Mad TV, uh, kind of an obscure skit comedy show, but the best years of that show were hilarious. Um, and then Alana Austin sent me a text today recommending. I didn't even know the show existed, but I feel like all of us have a stake in this. It's a show called Brockmire, and it's a half-hour comedy starring Hank Azaria and Amanda Peet. Weird. I love Amanda Peet. Oh, guys, we really have to watch Comrade Detective. It's been requested a couple times. Okay. Most recently by our friend Josh, so we got to get on that. It's come up before in this podcast, Um, so I feel like we should all try and watch some of it and talk about it next week. Okay, so we've got more mystery. Can we watch I don't, do I look like I know? I'm just, you know, I got a child attached to my body right now. I just feel like people recommend Googling. things if everybody's listening. Well, you you're recommend. the one who's been on your phone the whole time. Google it. Okay. Wait, Comrade Detective? Yeah. yeah I'm All right, so Comrade Detective. I want to try Brockmire because I just. Done. And then, um, and then we will break down Miss Maisel in more, in more detail. We'll also, um, we're also ideally, everything goes well. In the next episode, we're going to have a guest, but I don't want to, because schedules are complicated, I'm not going to reveal um, who that guest is yet. Um, uh, all right, uh, Becky, where can people follow you? You can follow me at PaperBKPrincess on Twitter, or uh, you can check out my food blog, my recipe blog. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at EverydayOatBlog. Dot com. I mean, at whatever, the Instagram handle of every day. Sorry, we're having some... Uh, Chichi K. Gomez on Twitter. And me, Pancake, at Pancake4, that's the number four, at Pancake4Table, um, Pancake4Table.com, or the FridayNightMovie.com, where you can follow all sorts of various links to subscribe and leave a review for this podcast that um, is helpful to us, as far as I understand the podcasting business. 
not that this is a business um but uh thanks uh, for listening and thank you guys for making time to do this i'm looking forward to do it again this weekend all right bye bye love, love you bye love you okay oh, dance. Now- dance 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 uh, oh. uh dance dance dancing with my baby